and it's John chapter 15, and uh, I'm going to read from verse 12. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. This is my commandment, love each other in the same way that I've loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you and I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. So the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my commandment. Love each other. Let's pray for Sarah as she comes to bring God's word to us today. Lord, we thank you for Sarah. Pray for her. Pray your Holy Spirit will be upon her. Pray for your peace on her. And pray that you'll speak to us very powerfully through her today. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Great. Thank you, Nigel. Hi, good morning, everyone. So we're continuing with our Together series um, kind of what it means to be together as a church and all the different ways of looking at that. And this week, I'm looking at together in friendship. Now, I, I don't want it to be a kind of a talk about friends, really. I, I will be talking a little bit about that. But really, I want to talk about what it means to be a friend of God. And it was great that we, um, we sang that, the worship song, which says, I am a friend of God. Because in the passage that Nigel just read... Um, Jesus talks about him being our friend. He talks about it three times. And I just think, I, it's just maybe, I don't know. I've, I feel like I haven't heard this idea of being a friend of God that much in church. I, you know, Jesus and in, throughout the Bible, there are lots of different ways that God talks about himself. We often hear about God as Father or God as Lord or sometimes even God as Judge. But I haven't heard a huge amount myself about what it really means to be a friend of God. So I'm just going to, I'm kind of, I've got three different ways I think that this is demonstrated. And I was given Samuel 1 and 2 to look at, so I'm going to try and weave that, weave that throughout. So just to give you a sense of the direction. So there's one, there was one verse what, in particular I just wanted to read again. It's John fifteen fifteen. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Now, I was... I was thinking about this, and I almost, I almost didn't want to say what I'm about to say, because what I at first thought is, who, who do I know? Who have I known who I think of as a friend of God? And by that, I mean really what's said in this, in this sentence, someone who is called as a friend, and I feel has learned things from the Father, made known to them as a friend of God. Actually, is something is quite precious when you see it. And I didn't want to say it because I was like, I'll just be eulogizing her. But really, the, the one person, actually, I shouldn't really be very embarrassed because it's really part of my testimony. The one person who I thought feel really captured this for my life was my own grandmother. And for those who 
um, don't know, don't know me, don't know that. I, I, used, I have come to this church with my grandmother, and she really was the one who kind of brought me to my own faith. So I, I shouldn't really, I shouldn't really be embarrassed. But I, I look at her, I looked at her life, and some of you will have known her. Um, and it just is a sort of, I, I see, I saw her life and that interaction with the father as one of a real intimacy. Actually, she wasn't a servant as it says, I no longer call you a servant. She did know her master's business. They had discussions. They, they had information. They shared. And actually, she would pray. She'd pray for so many people. It wasn't just exclusive to me. So many people. And she'd really pray when she said, may your angels guard over this person or this church or this situation. I just really believed that actually the father was saying, Okay, may your angels go there. <laughs> may there be real protection. I just, I just, it, it was my understanding of what it means to be a friend. But for me, the key in all of that was that she wasn't just had that friendship I felt with the father, but she was also my friend, which is maybe a bit of an odd thing to say perhaps about your own grandmother, but I really felt she was my own friend. Actually, that kind of relationship I had also with her. I could tell her lots of things. This is why I kind of, I came to faith, is that she would be praying for me. I could have those kind of discussions. I wasn't, instead I've called you friends for everything I'd learned from my father, I made known to you. Actually, I felt that she made known that to me. And what's interesting, something I've been reading a bit, a lot about, is that there is this dual friendship role. Some people almost according to this dual friendship role. Some people can be friends with the father and in turn friends with other people. It's almost like they can appeal to the father on behalf of another friend. And what through kind of reading I've come to realize is the word that sometimes is really best at describing this is the word of an intercessor. Now if you've if you've been in church a while, you, you know that this is a word that's sort of sometimes thrown around. So intercessor is an idea of people who pray for other people. But really delving into this, it means a lot more than just someone who just prays for other people. It's actually someone who is in between as a friend. A friend to one person can appeal to the Father for that person's friend. And what was extraordinary, I thought, sadly she's, she's not here. Naomi Beer is just... Um, I think she's doing get the kids' work. In last week's service, because I was thinking about this, I, I need, I, I've, re- I've heard this, I really want to find something. That, you know, I was just thinking about the way they illustrated it. She'd actually read something from Job 16, 20 in the, in the service. I was like, that's it, got it. Because it literally puts those words in the same sentence. So just to read it, in the book of Job, Job has obviously um, gone through a huge amount of very traumatic things, and he's lamenting. The, the hardship he's gone through, and then he creates this appeal, and he says, my intercessor is my friend, as my eyes pour out tears to God. On behalf of a man, he pleads with God as one pleads for a friend. This idea that friendship and together is key, and one of those ways is this role of an intercessor. Now, it's not something that I I, you know, I'd like to think I pray for people, but I would say that the way I saw this was through my grandmother who prayed for a lot of people. So just to very quickly explore this idea, 
like I say, there's two kind of elements to it. There's a dual friendship bit. There's being friends to people, and then there's being friends with God and making that appeal. So again, I don't want this to be a talk about friendship, but there is, there is that essence of if we're friends with other, if we're doing this on behalf of friends, we kind of need to know what that looks like. So um, as I was given Samuel 1 and 2, uh, C.S. Lewis, I was reading a book by C.S. Lewis called The Four Loves. I don't know if some people have heard of it. There's one section in it about friendship. Uh, it's a really amazing book. I strongly encourage you to read it. Um, and C.S. Lewis, he talks about um, David and Jonathan as a really great example of this, of, of this friendship. So I'm going to have a quick look at um, 1 Samuel 20. So if you have your Bible. Um, in this part, Saul is currently king at this stage. And um, effectively, David is more popular than him. And it says, it talks about Saul being overcome by a harmful spirit, and this being the spirit that wants to kill David. And there's a few examples here. I mean, this isn't something that's, this is very universal, really. I think we all, whether we've experienced it or not, know what a good friend looks like. But just to very quickly delve into it. Actually, I'll just grab my Bible. So just, just very quickly, I actually just want to glaze over it, really. Um, at the start, David is having to... He's really torn as to why he's being... Why Saul is wanting to kill him. And effectively, him and Jonathan have to concoct this plan to let David escape and run away. At start, David is saying to Jonathan, what have I done? Um, what is my crime? How have I offended your father that he is so determined to kill me? Jonathan replies, that's not true. I'm sure he's not planning any such thing, for he always tells me everything he's going to do, even the little things. I know he wouldn't hide something like this from me. It just isn't so. I mean, one of the first points is there is a sort of equality in that discussion. And that's, of course, one of the key, one of the key elements to this. It goes on to say that actually they, they come up with this plan where David is hiding behind a, a rock and um, he, he skips a, a feast and Jonathan is going to warn him if Saul's rage is really out to get him. And so, of course, J- Jonathan is, is concerned for David's safety. Um, again, another example. And, and then he goes on to even confront Saul to say he's later prepared to defend him. So, I mean, I could go on sort of a, a sort of plethora of ways that, that there's this, this friendship. Um, and sometimes we're not even, you know, you can't even necessarily explain what this friendship is. But that, that it's not really the point of this talk. I'm not really, it's not a talk about what makes a good friend. The point is, what does that mean for church? And I think the point about this role of an intercessor is that it's so much more precious to be able to appeal on behalf of our friends to the Father for their needs. And that's so powerful, and it's something we really are called to do. How, I mean, I suppose it's how do we know that we're called to do this? And I think really it's we look at Jesus' life and maybe his final words. Luke twenty-three thirty-four. Jesus' last words on the cross. Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know, do not know what they are doing. What's he, he's interceding. Till his dying, dying breath, he is our friend, appealing to the Father on our behalf. 
And it's all very well me saying that I had a grandmother who did this for me and it's you know, good for me that I had someone in my life. But this, isn't, this, is a call, this is a call for everyone. It should be, and it should be both ways, I think, that we all can be that for somebody. And I think we probably are called to be that. I suppose that's what together in friendship is about and being friends with, having a friendship with a father is we're called to be that for other people. But also... We are also meant to have that for ourselves, and it is precious. And, it, and it's sad if we don't have it in, in church. And it's something we should really think about in terms of what our church looks like. And I think it's exciting that we've got things like discipleship groups coming up because actually friendship with God means being good friends with other people. But we, we know that, but it means more than that in church. It means appealing to God for their needs Jesus did this on his, in his last breath. I think we're all encouraged to do that as well. But of course, um, that's only one aspect of what it means to be a good friend. Being a, being a good friend in the context of friendship with God isn't just about appealing for the needs of others, whether it's their safety or their welfare. I, I would... I would go further in saying that it's probably more my second point is that actually there is a there is an element of speaking hard truths to people as well. I want there's a proverb, proverb 26, I mean 27, verse 6 in the King James version. It says, "Faithful are the wounds of a friend." Which I find a quite a I don't know, it's, it's, it's quite a gritty, gritty, gritty line. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. So something um, not many of you know about, or if you're at the Christmas Eve service, you got a little little hint of, is that um, I have been a, well, I suppose I've been a, singing in jazz bands for many years now, so probably like about seven years. So kind of singing, yeah, singing, sung in loads of different bands and um, performed in quite a few different venues. It's always been really, really good fun. And I remember when I was really young, I'd be watching X Factor, and they have Big Band Week. Have you ever seen that? I was like, oh, I just would love to sing in a big band. That's like my one thing I want to do in life. I want to just sing in a big band. And when I was at university, I auditioned for this big band, and I got in. So I was their singer, and it was all very, very exciting, and got to go, go for free in all these different venues, and it was all... It was a kind of good fun. Um, and by the time I could sing in a big band, I'd got quite good, but that was not always the case that I was good. In fact, when I was younger, I was quite bad. Um, I was always a good singer, but I was not good standing up and singing these sort of jazz standards in front of people. I was, I was, you know, I was just a bit... I wasn't exactly shy, I just wasn't very good. So um, Now... There were a group of people where this proverb was true. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. They were certainly faithful to my wounds. They would be the ones who would come along to every single one of my gigs and tell me, you know, Sarah, you could improve here. You could do this as nicely as possible. I would say they, it, they, weren't, they weren't necessarily loyal. It was they were faithful. And I suppose the question is, well, why, why were they faithful? It's because ultimately they wanted me to do well. And that's what it means to be faithful to the wounds of your friends. And 
to bring in Samuel, Samuel's life, again looking at Samuel 1 and 2. If there was a man who was faithful to the wounds of Israel, it was Samuel. I'm going to have a quick look at 1 Samuel 8. Now at this point, I mean, Israel had, the Ark of the Covenant had been taken away and they'd got it back, but I think Israel had clearly lost their confidence because they were looking around at the other nations and thinking, we want to be like them. So they said to Samuel, we want a king. And Samuel, he loved Israel, but it says he judged Israel for the whole of his life. It says that in the chapter before. I mean, he was faithful, but he was not afraid to speak some hard truths into the lives of Israel. So let me just read a little bit from it. Samuel 8, chapter, no, verse 5. Look, they told him, you are now old and your sons are not like you. Give us a king like all the other nations have. And Samuel was very upset with their request and went to the Lord for advice. Do as they say, the Lord replied, for it is me they are rejecting, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually forsaken me and followed other gods. And now they are giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about how a king will treat them. So that's exactly what Samuel did. And he went on to tell them some of the hard truths about the choices they were about to make. This king will draft your sons into his army and make them run before chariots. They'll be forced to plow in his fields. Take your daughters. Um, take a tenth of your harvest and distribute them amongst your, the sacrifices and attendants. He, he, he did warn them, but they must have lost confidence, I think, and they were clearly afraid because the people refused to listen to Samuel warning. Um, even so, we still want a king, they said. We want to be like the nations around us. Our king will govern us and lead us into battle. I suppose there's a... I think the lesson maybe here is that we shouldn't... We shouldn't if, if things are from a place of friendship, we shouldn't be afraid of hearing these hard truths. Because as the first passage said, the one that Nigel read, is that we are called to bear fruit. The things we say shouldn't be things that shrivel up and die. The things we say should be there to bear fruit. So when these things are said from a place of friendship, it's meant to be for good. But I think just a word of warning, I suppose, is that, as the proverb said, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And really the word is faithful. People can say all sorts of things to us, can't they? They can, they can say it in, um, you know, with the best intentions, like a place of loyalty, all sorts of things. And when people say things that, you know, we need to hear, we shouldn't be afraid, but we should also question, is this faithful to me and my wounds? Because again, together in friendship is about faithfulness to each other. It's bearing fruit. Actually, we should be willing to hear the things that will prune us and make us grow and bear fruit. But let us also have that spirit of discernment and think, actually, we need to be careful as well. We need to make sure it is a place of faithfulness. I'm racing through this. I'm going to be done very quickly. Um, 
So I suppose finally, I don't think either of those is possible unless we know God's character. It sounds a bit obvious, but is it possible to really appeal on behalf of others and friends? Or is it possible to really speak truth, real truths, real faithful, encouraging truths into people's lives unless we know God's character, really know God's character? And I, could, I mean, you could probably do an entire series on what, what, who is God, what is God's character, and how do you know God's character? And I, I don't think that's, I, I mean, it's not something I really want to explore too much because it could go on forever. Um, but again, I want to look at just, just one passage, one verse that really captures it in the context of friendship, friendship with God. Um, James 2.23. He's talking about Abraham. He says, And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed in God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Now, again, knowing God's character could mean so much, so much. But here, I think the focus is on Abraham's just belief. As simple as that. It sounds simple, but I think there are layers to it. But here, Abraham believed in God, and he was called a friend of God. Again, that may sound simple, especially if you've been a Christian for a long time, believing. But there must be layers of revelation, layers of belief that Abraham will have built up over his entire life. And the, way I, the reason I think this is looking at Genesis 22.9, when Abraham is taking Isaac up to the altar table. I just want to quickly read it. Oh, sorry, just, I mean, just before, because I'm not reading that bit. God has asked Abraham to, to sacrifice Isaac, his son, on the, on the altar table, and this is, this is what happens. Um, when they arrived at the place where God had told Abraham to go, he built an altar and placed the wood on on it. Then he tied Isaac up and laid him on the altar over the wood. And Abraham took the knife and lifted it up to kill his son as a sacrifice to the Lord. At that moment, the angel of the Lord shouted to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, he answered, I'm listening. Lay down the knife, the angel said. Do not hurt the boy in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld even your beloved son from me. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a bush. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering on the altar in place of his son. Abraham named the place the Lord will provide. This name has now been become a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. I mean, for me, I think it's one thing to believe, but Abraham must have really known God. 
to even contemplate going through with that. And, you know, he didn't know what the outcome was going to be either. To, yeah, I, I don't know how far my belief goes if I was asked to do something like that. I don't know the layers and layers and depths and revelation that you need to know of God and have that friendship with God in order to really say, I trust you. I know you. I know you're gonna, you have good plans for me and plans to prosper me. And I can't really see where this is going, but I'm going to do it because I know you. So that belief, it, it, it goes deep. It goes deep. And that is, a, I think, a challenge for all of us. You know, however, however long or whether we believe, wherever we're at, is that there is more to know. Belief isn't just about believing. I believe in God. I believe in the Father. I do. It is about, can you go that, can you go that deep? And if, you, if God says something that really is going to throw a curveball, do you know God's character well enough? I challenge myself. Do I know God's character well enough to think, wow, I, I know you. I know that your plans are for me to prosper. I think it's this knowing is again seen with with David and and God. And what's what I think is exciting about David's life is that this knowing of God, this knowing that Abraham demonstrated, it can be God invites us to, it to be mutual, and this is I think what the friendship element of it is about. In Acts 13, 20 to 22, Paul is giving the, the summary of Samuel 1 and 2. Probably I should have read this at the beginning. just would have helped. It says, After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled for 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. God really knows us. And he wouldn't have said that about David if he didn't really know him. He's a man after my own heart. God wants to, God does know us and knows us in that level of that depth, that intimacy. He really does and he declares it. But what's exciting is that God invites us to know him quite that same way. It wouldn't be a friendship, I don't think, if it was a one-way thing. I mean, apart from the fact we have most of the Psalms to tell you this, there's one, there's one key bit in 2 Samuel. It's the, it's the song of David. And it, he says, David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hands of all his enemies and from the hands of Saul. And it's, it's very long, so I'm not going to read it. But just one very short, short passage from it. David singing to, to God, You, Lord, are my lamp. The Lord turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can va- advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. Have you... Yeah, amen. Have you, have you ever received a really good present, like a really good present, or given a really good present, you're like, if you've given it, you're like, I, I aced it. I, got, I absolutely got it right. If you think about it, it's probably far less about the present and more about the fact you think, I knew that person well enough. I got them exactly what they wanted. Or 
that person really knows me. They got me exactly what I wanted. It's not the present. I mean, it may just be you wanted the present, but it may be also that that's so exciting. That person knows you that well that they gave you that thing that you, they knew you'd love, and you can do the same for them. And I imagine that when David sang this to God, and when we sing our worship, I, I think probably God thought that about David. He was like, David sang this beautiful, beautiful song and all these psalms, and he thought, wow. I mean, apart from that, yes, pray, it, praise is the wonderful, but wow, David knows me. I'm sure God thought, David really knows me, that he's, ha- that he's prepared to, s- he can sing these songs. He knows my character. He really knows me. So, in good time, I, just, just to summarize, I think I've, probably really you should start with the knowing God bit. It's not possible unless all of that is there. And it is really knowing God's character, both knowing God's character and knowing that God knows our character. It's not really possible without any of that. But in terms of togetherness, we are called to have this spill out into the lives of the people around us. It's not saying that everyone's going to be, you know, like best friends with each other, but it's saying that there is a spirit of friendship that we are really called to show other people because it has been showed to us. And that is sometimes speaking truths to people, but it's speaking it in a way that's really faithful and honoring to them. It's really important, but also that there are some people who are genuinely called to be intercessors, I think. Those are people with huge hearts for huge hearts for so many people, but they probably just means that they have a lot of friends. They have a lot of friends, a lot of people they care for, and a lot of people they are appealing on behalf of to the Father. And that we shouldn't feel discouraged if we feel like we haven't necessarily have that relationship with someone in the church because, you know, I don't have my grandma anymore. She's not here. But I'm not discouraged. I feel like we have, we are meant to be that for other people and we're meant to have that for ourselves as well. So um, probably you should speak to Sam or Nigel about discipleship groups if, you, if you're looking for that as well. But I've, for a very quick summary, that's what I think it means to be a friend of God. And I think God really does want us to be his friends. So it was wonderful singing that song. And I hope this is something we can maybe explore a little bit more in, a church, in our church time. So I will end there and pass on to Ruth for... Um, I've, I've actually got a testimony. I just want to validate um, this scripture, this whole theme um, has literally been woven in my life all week. <laughs> and I failed at it, just by the way, yeah, up front. So I want to give a bit of a testimony <laughs> um, because it actually s- sort of, exa- it's an example of exactly what you've been saying. Um, so really bad week. Um, I'm on chemo. It's making me feel absolutely wretched. I've got these mega deadlines to launch um, this global framework on human rights that hopefully will be changing the behavior of all our brands and retailers. Um, I've been saying to the Lord for the last six months, this is way above my pay grade. And I don't, you know, why don't you just pick on somebody else? You know, find somebody else to do this job because really I don't know what I'm doing. This is just so complicated and can't get my head around it, Lord. Um, pushing towards the deadline, the big launch is on the 20th of February. 
<sighs> it's um, yeah, an online thing, and lots of people are signing up. And um, on Thursday, I meet. I keep saying to our comms team, you know, can I see the stuff? Can I see the web? Can I see the resources? We pay a lot of money for designers. Can you please show us? Can you show me? I'm now in panic mode. I'm nervous. Um, long story short, nothing's been done. And the side thing was that somebody else um, who has no authority over this made the decision that this should not happen because um, it's a very uncomfortable position and may put certain people. So nothing's been done. My response was less than godly, yeah? <laughs> uh, less than godly. It was like somebody had pushed my nuclear button. And um, I thought, you know what? I need to actually extract myself from the building and just go away <laughs> because I'll either damage the building, somebody, or myself, or, you know, that red mist. So I um, told my CEO to shove off. I wasn't interested. I stormed out, having a real... Uh, being a drama queen, off I went, stamping my feet, saying, see, Lord, I told you, I told you. Um, I, I work in a very hipster, sort of snowflakey area. Um, go marching into um, the, the, hip, the most hipster-type um, coffee shop, and, I mean, my makeup smeared, the eyes are blue, I mean, are red, like in a real mess, yeah, and you could have scraped me off the floor at this point. And I was shaking with anger, and like I say, l less than godly, yeah, all these thoughts. Um, I get up to the coffee, and I'm like, and I want my skinny, whatever, whatever. And I'm sort of standing there, and I'm, I can't even pray I'm that angry. And um, out of the blue, this person comes bounding over, and I, this man hugs me from behind. And, I, and it was Steve Latham. And... Um, Oh, you're Steve. Oh, <laughs> and he takes me over. Um, he says, calm, calm down, calm down. Oh, calm down. Oh, calm down. <laughs> and um, he then took me over. He was meeting somebody um, about gang killings or whatever. And he took me over and um, he said, oh, I'd like to introduce you to Bev. And... He's, and then he, he introduced me and he said, and da 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 da, this is who she is. And I was stopped dead in my tracks. And what God had done was sent a friend. Yeah. And God was using this friend to show how much God loved me. Because God is my friend. But I couldn't see it. Yeah. And God had sent a friend. And what God did was just show me, actually, girl, <laughs> I love you. There is somebody next to you. Because um, Steve never goes to that coffee shop. Neither do I. <laughs> yeah, random meeting. But God had put Steve there to calm me down, number one. Um, to show me that God loved me. To show me what God has purposed for me. Yeah? But he also reminded me of the power we have in Christ Jesus. That actually I could step out of the situation. The phone started ringing, the CEO phoned, da-da-da-da-da, in and out of meetings all day. And yes, something is going to happen, yeah, uh, on the 20th, thank God. I'd love it to be more. But I can't tell you how good God is. 
And this thing of friendship, um, even when we're out there, yeah, he sends a friend. When we can't hear and we can't see, he sends a friend. And I just want to share this one scripture very quickly. It's this here. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. Can I just pray? Is that me? Thank you. Yeah. Um, just to finish off my address. Um, Father, just you, thank you that you are our Father, but you, you are also our friend. And you know, we, we will all have different experiences of friendship here on earth. But um, as a church, we are called to be good friends to one another and to, to, to let that overspill into our friendship with you, Lord. And to be that person, that, that go-between the scriptures as well, that go-between and faithfully serve each other. I just pray that um, this won't be a hard thing for us to, to know in our hearts, that this is something we will be able to really intuitively understand, Lord. And I just pray, um, I just pray for Forestdale Community Church. Thank you for its community, um, the way it really does serve people. And I just pray that this will be a, a, a place where friendships, both with Christ and both with each other, is our, really are strengthened, Lord that people will feel that spirit of friendship when they walk into the building. Amen. Let's stand together. Wasn't that great? <clears throat> when we need a friend, God can send one. And we want to be friends of God so we can intercede for others and appeal to God on their behalf. And we want to stand with each other and speak even the hard truths into each other's lives because we're real friends. Let's just open up our spirits as we close the meeting in worship and know what it is to be a friend of God.